Hey, hey, I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. This is another one of my bigger six sisters, Lala Angela Wang. I can't wait for you to meet her with all of her range and all of her moreness. Enjoy this episode. Well, hey, hey, and welcome back to the show. And this week we have the amazing, beautiful Lala Angela Wang. Hey, Lala. Hello. <laughs> so excited to be here. Thank you I'm, so much for the invite, Emma. I'm so happy that you're here. So we <laughs> met also in Figure Six, so Joanna Kingsford Mastermind. And I had actually witnessed you on the Queens of the Internet stage before that. And so it's so nice that we get to hang out on Voxer and the Mastermind and just be supportive. And I know I've come into one of your programs, you've come into one of mine. So it's it's been super cool. And I'm so happy um, that you're here to talk about the range of stuff that you get involved in. So why don't you introduce us to who Lala is? Hello, everybody. Um... My name's Lala Angela Wang. Lala's actually my nickname that I've had since I was 15. And I was just like, you know what? It's a part of me. To me, Lala represents sunshine and rainbows. And that's pretty much who I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm a lot more than that. Just like what Emma said, mm-hmm. I have a full-time job working in construction here in Sydney, Australia, in case you're wondering what accent that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Taiwan, a little island next to China. I moved to New Zealand when I was 12 and I moved to Australia when I was 25 and I've been here for almost 15 years now. So besides my job in construction, I am also a mourner's mentor. So I help women discover what it is they want more in their life and basically help them find more of their mourners so they can have everything that they desire in ease, flow, and most importantly, pleasure. And so talk to us about um, this range, range woman, because I know your podcast Mm. is, is the range variety show. Is that right? Range woman, the variety show. Yeah. So tell us about what a range woman is to you. Well, thanks to Jana. She won one day she said to me, because I've been having coaches for probably about five years now. And because I've got a full-time job as well, quite often I have to do my coaching sessions between work. And one day she just said to me, she's like, how could you drop something that you like drop something at work that's so high pressure and so masculine? It's like managing guys and doing these do, 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 do. And all of a sudden come into a session, just go like, hello. (laughs) So she said, that's range. I'm like, okay, let's explore what that actually means. And what that really means is that I am able to, and I don't like to use the word juggle because to me, it's not a juggle. Mm. I simply flow from one thing to another and I can adjust my state in order to suit whatever I'm doing. But the more that I'm embodying it, the more I realize it's not just about that. It's also how do I create more space so I can welcome more things into my life? You know, Emma, you talked about my podcast, which is called Range Woman. And in order for me to have that podcast, it was to look at my life and where could I declutter in order to do 30 days of life while having my full-time job, while going into the madness of Christmas season, getting jobs done, (laughs) And just getting it done. And so many women that I see in 
my field, but also in my world, are saying, well, I want to have this hobby. I want to have this side hustle. I want to have all these things, but I don't have the time for it. Mm. And so doing the podcast was really my way to demonstrate to the people in my world that you can, and there's a method. And if I, who's someone who has had a full-time job in a corporate career and a coaching business on the side, while still having a relationship, can do 30 days of podcast interviews. I believe anyone could do it. Yeah, and you did it so well. (laughs) I mean, I I watched in absolute awe. And I think actually at the same time, we were doing Supports 2020, which was a little initiative you came up with on um, socials just to like in the 20 days leading up up to Christmas. So you were showing up, still showing up in your business on the front lines um and yeah I was in absolute awe because obviously now I'm trying to do a podcast well I am doing a podcast and 30 like to think of doing 30 episodes like consecutive days like that that to me sounds exhausting but you just do it with so much energy and you you mentioned something you said um like you can switch those states, right? Your energetic state can switch from being in the masculine kind of corporate environment to um, to being in the coaching flow. And like, what is there a magic source to that? Like, what what do you do? How do you manage that energy switch and those states? I wasn't born with it. I wish I'm Maybelline. She's mm-hmm. born with it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think it's actually, it came from my own personal lessons learned when I first started in this industry. And that was, I remember when mobile phones first has that ability that you can respond to emails. Mm-hmm. And I remember the phone that I had at the time was a Nokia where you can turn the phone to the side and you slide it up and there's the whole keypad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bought that phone just so I can respond to email quicker. And I was only just promoted to um, a senior position while well, I've only been in the industry for three years with a new role where nobody knows what the job description actually entails. So part of my job description is this, to discover what my job description really was. And I used to work with a lot of men who's almost ready to retire and have never worked with a female who's at the same level as them. So the competitive of me sort of came out back then and I vividly remember it was all work, no play. And I would get up in the middle of the night, checking my email. And I used to go into this email wall with one of the project managers in my company Mm -hmm. at three in the morning. I not only had burnout, I also had rashes on my skin Um, within, I think it was probably about a four month period. I had two occurrence where the rash came out. And my doctor literally said to me, this is not normal. The cream that we prescribe, you can only get government subsidy once every year. But because you've had it twice in within four months, the second time around, I should have to pay for it. And that's when I realized a lot of it is stress. So I started to learn how to almost like when I get home, there's this period where I wind down before I even hit home. Mm -hmm. So I started to look at ways how I can switch from a state of doing and leading my team to a state of leading myself to take care of myself Mm. and I think that daily practice used to be a car drive away so it's 20 minutes in the car that used to wind me down that's like probably about 
10 years ago now. Right. And after 10 years of practice, I can kind of switch in between a lot easier. But having a site hustle for five years actually helps because if I can't compartmentalize the things that I do, they're quite different skill sets. Yeah. yeah and that will literally become this really scary mentor that chews my client's <laughs> head off, which I really don't desire to do. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, because I had a 20 year career in corporate too, right? So I, mm. I know too well the environment that you're in and, and you're out on construction sites as well, right? So it's, it's very masculine. And mm. yet you, you still have this beautiful way of, and this grace and this flow and this ease that you do seem to move through life from where I'm sat. So um, I applaud you for that because I know Thank I used you. to come home and be absolutely exhausted. I don't know that mm. I would have had the mental capacity to do this as a side hustle. But what would you say to people that are perhaps in that corporate environment and looking to, to like do some more maybe purpose-driven work? Like, how do they transition? Because I was lucky. I, well, I was fortunate in that I took redundancy, right? So I had a clear yeah. stop. And then I started my, my, my now business. I love that question. Um, for me, it's really interesting because I never really thought about fully quitting construction. Mm. I just love it. Mm. But also going back to what you were saying, construction is masculine, but doesn't mean that I have to be masculine. Mm. Yeah. In fact, what I found, <laughs> um, and I often say this, I read a book years ago. It's called Why the Nice Girl Don't Get the Corner Office or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it says, don't feed them. Literally, don't feed them. Like, you know how some females have like cookies and, and things on their desk. I say do the opposite if you so desire, especially if you're working in a masculine industry. Because imagine this, a guy goes home to their wife. that say their wife nags and tells them what to do. They come to work. They've got a female boss who does the same thing. Mm. How do you think a guy's going to feel? And If they come to work and I say to them, hey, I would love if you can help me with this instead of, you know, like the guy next door going, why is this done? You're an idiot. Who do you think is going to get more of her way Mm. or their way? So for me, I think it was a journey. When I first started in this industry, I used to get told to put my steel cap boots on, (laughs) meaning kick some butt and Mm -hmm. be tough. But what I have really discovered is through having a side hustle, discovering my personal brand and my signature way of leading, my signature way of working with people. And I think really I encourage anybody to have a side hustle. Mm. The skill set, the life skills that I have learned through running my own business, I appreciate the business that I'm supporting in corporate so much more. And I offer a very different perspective to somebody who just sees their job as a job. I see yes. my job as a business now mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, my job is a business. My business is a business. How do I desire to run both if I know that I'm representing my personal brand? And yeah. that's such a oh big switch that I could see, mm-hmm. you know, like everyday decision that I make in corporate is actually from a business owner's perspective. It's not like it's just a job. I don't care about it anymore. And that, what that really allows me to do is I can look at both of them as something that benefits me. And how do I create this win-win balance where I get to have my joy, my passion project, 
and I get to support this amazing business and even be more productive. Because my manager said to me when I got promoted about four years ago now, they're like, you don't say much, but you get so much shit done <laughs> in a day. And for me, it's because I'm focused so much more on I needed to get this done so I can go home and do the next thing. Mm-hmm. I've written a book in nine months while having a corporate job. You're amazing. And <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but that's that literally through. If you look at my calendar every day, when I was writing my book, even now with coaching clients, I will have a block that says writing a book and that will start from seven to nine. And I will have a block be- before seven on six to seven called dinner. Mm-hmm. And then I will have a block at five o'clock called go home mm-hmm. because it's so important to me. And I used to say time is my most precious commodity until I realized actually that's not true. To me, there's no boundaries of time. It's how we believe in time because that's a human construct. And the moment that I believe that I've got limitless amount of time, if I actually plan it well, I am far more productive in what I do. It's a bit of a brain fuck. I get it though and I love what you said about treating your J-O-B as like like a strand of of your business like it's like another Mm. stream of income sort of thing because I have often sat here and thought I would love to go back to corporate now knowing what I know now having had that break and almost like the seeing it from that different perspective because I I can see how I would approach it so differently for my own benefit right and and I think what you also describe and you didn't say the word but I think you you bring the passion you, like that's evident yeah. to me that you bring so much passion to your corporate work as you do to your business and let's just let's just switch now so tell us about the womanly way oh so this is actually tapping into a different side of me the womanly way is actually a spiritual download the short version was two years ago I was actually niching to coach men in construction because one of my colleagues actually committed suicide on a Monday before Christmas Mm. in 2017. And I was like, this industry needs me. But the universe kept sending me female clients. I was like, what is this? What is going on? And finally, at the beginning of 2019, I was like, okay, I'm going to surrender to this. Surely there's a reason why I can't crack the male mentoring market even though I'm really passionate about helping men that's why um, I had the initiative before Christmas to really Mm -hmm. support people during that difficult time and so I couldn't figure out how I'm going to niche how I'm going to transition from the complete polar opposite and I was like okay what can I offer because I believe that our biggest wounds becomes a superpower once we overcome those wounds and I was like okay it will be the Wang Sway, because Wang is my last name, right? <laughs> the Wang Sway. And Wang in Chinese is actually king. Mm, so you translate yeah, Wang as yeah. king. I'm like, oh, it's like the king's way. That's amazing. Mm. And then one morning I literally got up and it came to me, the womanly way. That was it. And for me, it's really representing my way of becoming more of myself but also I believe every woman within our DNA, within our body, we have got the solution of how we want to live life our way. And so the womanly way is really a tribute to every woman out there that desire to have it all. I believe we can all have it all, just probably not all at the same time, as long as you can discover 
your way. So where do they come from and what's the sort of journey, typical journey you take them on? All sorts, actually, but generally they are women of big dreams, um, came from a people-pleasing background, mm-hmm. and they've been told when they were little that there's no way that could, they could have what they want. What they desire is not only not possible, but very greedy of them to desire it. So I have had women, um, my youngest client was 16. Wow. Well, she's still my client at the moment, and her dream is to build tiny houses uh, and she wanted to become an architect so I show her how while she's doing a um she's actually doing it by correspondence so that's quite difficult to my oldest client is 58 who is an opera singer um, and she desired to write a book so for me it's really what more would you like to add Mm. to your life yeah I help people really look at their wounds because I, I really do believe wounds are your superpower and if you learn to love them instead of hate them and I speak to people's inner childs. And that's why I call myself an inner child whisper because a lot of the wounds came from our childhood. And then you will know this with your work as well. So I really help them reconnect with the inner child, have those discussions and tap into, you know, sometimes we still throw adult tantrums just like kids. That's because we haven't healed the childhood wounds. And so that's really what I do. Range, ages ranging from 16 to 58. I love it. Talk to us about... Um, kind of those inner child wounds that you've had to Mm. heal because we usually have a lot of the the similar things that happen to us right the things that Mm. we know we can help others with so what what's what's your story in terms of that healing journey you've gone on oh my god I was a mess (laughs) (laughs) I was a mess Um, the biggest one is really around fear but I do believe we all have different kinds of fear and really fear of not good enough mm-hmm. fear of not being liked were my two biggest ones it yeah. came from you know a really strict I came from a really strict military family where everything's really regimented and my dad would never say that he's proud of me so that has become what I call a base emotion which now I celebrate because I know every time I'm about to have a breakthrough, this emotion will reappear. Just like when you're playing a computer game, you keep fighting the big boss, but the big boss will always come up at the end of each level. So I know every time my big boss comes up, every time I feel that I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm going to fail, I know I'm about to break through to the next level. So that's probably one of my biggest. Let me just um, jump in there if I may, because... Yep. Like, what was the point that you recognized that was your wound? Because I think we walk through life with these wounds and not recognizing it until something happens or we meet someone that sort of points it out to us Mm. or we have that rock bottom moment. Like, what was that moment for you? Mine was a rock bottom moment, Mm -hmm. which I do not wish on anybody. And that's why I'm doing the work. So nobody will ever have to go through what I went through. Um, At the age of 30 one almost 32 I realized that the marriage I was in for two years and there was a long-term relationship for eight years of my life wasn't actually I want to say it's not real but it it was real Um, (laughs) I was with a real person but it was really fabricated by me and the desire of pleasing people and not disappoint people so when my ex-husband proposed to me I said, yes. However, I had this inner voice going, no. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, number one, if I said no, he's going to be disappointed. He booked a hotel room 
in the city in Sydney, we were going to watch Wicked the um, broadcast mm-hmm. show. And this was the most unromantic man I've ever dated who has created the most romantic scenario. So number one, I was going to disappoint him. Number two, I was going to disappoint his mom. And then I was going to disappoint everyone around me, even my dad who just loved him to bits and pieces. And so I was like, okay, we're going to say yes and we're going to fix this. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. But I just remember even when I was reading my own vows on the altar, I was like, this is not going to be okay. I'm not going to be able to keep my vows. So I kind of think I manifested this. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. manifested our divorce by not being fully in and just knew it wasn't going to happen. And therefore I wasn't really invested in the relationship. And that's why I really wish that I, well, I know what I know now. Mm -hmm. Back then, one, we probably wouldn't have married. If we do, if we did, if we did, or we did. (laughs) 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 We did. Um, We might be able to actually come out of it and still be together. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. And for me, that was probably the beginning of my rock bottom. People often say, well, once you're divorced and separated, surely your life's a lot better. I'm like, well, that's just the beginning. Because for somebody who doesn't know who they are, and when you have to start to learn to be independent, my ex-husband used to take care of all of my finances. Mm-hmm. I never knew how to drive in parts of Sydney because the roads are really tiny, kind of like Europe and England, mm-hmm. I guess, um, or the UK. So, but I desired to live on the beach, which has got the shittiest parking and roads and and things. So I had to learn all those things, right? And I've never lived on my own, like solely on my own. I moved out of home. I've always had housemates. And as soon as I moved out of my flat, I started living with my ex-husband. So learning to be on my own and keeping this darkest secret about being separated, my mom didn't find out until three months later. Oh, wow. Right. And none of my really close friends were really in Sydney. All of my close friends in Sydney were his friends. And so it was that moment, that period of time, I was like, well, I really need to find out who I am. And it is really through that journey, I get to know myself a lot better. Then I learned about my wounds. And that was when I realized, oh, <laughs> these are the wounds mm-hmm. and I could start to see the patterns and how it plays out in all of my relationships. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing. And you're in an amazing, beautiful relationship right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're actually doing a series, aren't you, for the month of February at the time of recording yeah. um, around finding your soulmates or manifesting your soulmate Manifesting. Or be manifested. Yes. I love it. How's that going? It's actually really fun. And um, I don't know whether you know the backstory. So Vivi, another one of our figure Mm -hmm. six sisters. Who's been on the podcast, on the show. Exactly. We were having a conversation one day and we're talking about manifesting soulmates. And I posed the question. I said, do you guys believe it? Vivi's like, no, but I was manifested by my hubby. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I know. And I was like, Okay, so maybe there are different versions of manifestation in a soulmate relationship and I really desire to find out. And because I know I was launching um, my relationship signature program, Soulnificence, in February, 
I was like, oh, why don't I just interview a whole lot of women who, you know, has even manifested their relationship or have been manifest in the case of Vivi. <laughs> and I even interviewed a woman, I think it was yesterday or the day before, she manifested her father-in-law. So she literally had this, it's almost like sometimes, you know, when we get the download from the universe, it's like a, a voice or a sound or a thought. She had a thought. She's like, he is going to be an English professor very specific universities mm-hmm. very specific and so she manifested her wow. In law. <laughs> wow that's so cool and you've got big dreams you are a woman of big dreams aren't you um I, I love I love them share some of your big dreams oh my god they're never ending <laughs> the, <laughs> the one that I really desire right now um and it's really funny. I never considered myself as a country girl. I always said that I am a city girl. Um, but ever since I met Scott, my soulmate, I really desire to move to the country. So the current big dream, and it just gets expanding, expanded and expanded every single time I think about it. We want to have a farm in the mm. country with a farmhouse, of course. And I want to be able to run retreats in this farmhouse. Amazing. Yeah. Scott loved to fly airplanes one day. He hasn't even got his um, license. The vision is we have a flat piece of land that he can have his landing strips. So oh all my, my... <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy, but I do believe that will come true. I I, I am a woman of big dreams, um, but we also want to have co-working spaces as well for digital nomads that will support um, local communities in the country towns of Australia. I believe in that integration of bringing our country and bring the real Australia to the digital nomad sphere. And also if we can somehow work out a way so I can build aged care facilities that helps old people to reintegrate them into the world it's a vision if anyone has got this and they can help me with this vision i'm just <laughs> going to put it out there <laughs> imagine a hotel with aged care facility and university accommodations and everybody in this tower maybe 50 floors 20 to 50 floors can really help each other it's almost like a community you come in if you go and visit an, an old person spend time with them help them with their house chores you get your accommodation reduced mm. And I just thought that it would be such a wonderful thing because in my corporate world, I specialize in building aged care facilities and it's got such a special place in my heart. And it it is really my desire to combine my corporate job with my business and somehow creating this most amazing thing together. So those are just some of my big dreams at the moment. I love it. And I love what I've realized, especially since being in Jana Kingsford's world, she's the big dreams genie, right? So surrounding yourself with women who have those big dreams, who are allowing themselves to dream bigger, as crazy as it may seem, is just so expanding and liberating Mm. in itself because it's like yeah anything is possible and you see people more and more so every day achieving those big dreams and it's I think it's super important because you know three years ago I I didn't have those people in my peripheral vision even um or Mm. I didn't see them if they were there the effect of having them in your sight and Mm. actually getting involved in that whole dreaming 
space is is so so critical I think to actually understanding who you are as well and what it is you want from life I really see it as a muscle Mm, yeah Swimming big is really a muscle because five years ago, before I started working on myself, I wouldn't have those dreams or I would have those dreams, but I would be the first person to say, who do you think you are to have these dreams? Mm -hmm. But the more that I work on myself and really connect with my inner child, but also with my feelings and desires and more of my pleasure. And like you said, be around the other people that have big dreams and that gives you the permission to be just go wild and crazy, the crazier your big dreams will get. And you know what? One day they'll come pretty mm-hmm. much coming to you a lot quicker than you think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's for you, I guess it's that part of permission to want more, to, you know, dream mm-hmm. more and you can have more. It's like, let's just, do yes. let's just, <laughs> all, the more all the mourners. Lala, I would, talk to you all day and tonight where can people find you what have you got going on at the moment what do you want to share oh my god it's so easy to find me um if you go the womanly way angela wang you should be able to find me on most social platforms okay sorry maybe not most i'm not that technically (laughs) (laughs) facebook um instagram and i'm also on linkedin under angela wang just my real name Um, currently the easiest way to work with me is to be a part of my mastermind, which is called the womanly mind. And you get to choose your own journey because I believe as a woman of mourners, we all know what we want. So I give my client full permission to choose whether you want to work with me for one month, three months, six months, or 12 months, just send me a direct message through Facebook. That's where I hang out the most and more than happy to have a chat amazing Lala I love you so much thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your journey today and um, thanks for listening guys I'll see you next time thank Thank you you. so much for having me Emma Bye. bye